0: are so good at selling themselves is it that these tactics and strategies are evil and nefarious because if they are then you know what i'm not going to play that game I'll, i'll i'll be who i am or is it that they for some reason tend on balance to have a better understanding of of how human beings react to things and if so can they be used ethically and what convinced me that they can be used ethically is there's a class of people, usually artists, who use what I call hype to add color to the world. You know, they don't do it to take advantage of people. I mean, you look at David Bowie or Andy Warhol or the punk movement, or even P.P. P. Barnum, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. People gained pleasure from the psychological sort of, you know, color that they added mm-hmm. to things.
1: Yo, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back. If you're rejoining us, thank you for taking your time to spend it with us. And if this is the first time that you've ever pushed play, thank you. I hope that the next 30 to 40 minutes leaves you better than you were before you pushed play in some way in your heart and in your mind, in your mindset and in your leadership. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today, on episode 129, I am joined by Michael F. Shine. Michael is a writer, he's a speaker, he's the founding president. Of a company called Microfame Media, and he's the author of the book The Hype Handbook the 12 Indispensable Success Secrets from the World's Greatest Propagandists, Self Promoters, Cult Leaders, Mischief Makers, and Boundary Breakers. It's a great conversation. There's a number of topics that we talk about that push my comfort zone. It is a Fantastic conversation that helps you understand the art and science of using shameless propaganda for personal and social good. I hope something in the next 30 to 40 minutes really grabs you and inspires you in some way, so much so that you go and implement something. And that when you do that thing, you will be better and you will help those around you be better. I'm Ryan Hartley, your host. Enjoy. Michael F. Shine. Michael, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. It's great to be here, Ryan. It's amazing. We were just having a little chat off air. We were talking about this uh, this wonderful piece of art that you pulled together, the Hype Handbook. Um, and before we dive into that, I'd love to... Uh, have you bring to life uh, part of that book, which is about 34 years old, three weeks into, you know, your wife's pregnant and you have this vision. What was that vision?
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was a vision or a nightmare. I, I, uh, you know, I was, um, I had always been a pretty um, creative kid in the traditional sense, meaning that I didn't want to go into business. I mean, I wanted to write novels or, or make music and, um, I had done those kind of things. And at the time that um, my baby, who's now 10 years old, <laughs> is on, was on the way, I was a vice president at a uh, company that I had just fallen into, a very corporate company. I came to it because I needed a job and they were doing something kind of creative. That piece folded. They had us doing this very brass tacks work that I never thought I would do. I'm a hard worker. So I did well. And then I'm in this job and my title was vice president of solution development. And I was working like a dog and I had no idea what that title meant. I still don't. And so like, I just had this vision of my daughter being older and taking me to whatever they call it career day or take your parents to school day or whatever, excuse me. And, um, saying like, I'm a vice president of solution development at a business process outsourcing company. And I wanted to be a novelist at one point. I thought it'd be cool to start a record label. And I'm like, you know, I'm in my thirties and I was just in my twenties and I was just in my teens. I'm going to be dead soon. And I'm going to be a vice president of solution development. Like I'm doing nothing that I was put on this earth to do. And that was the beginning of a new path for me because it, it scared the living heck out of me.
1: It's funny, isn't it? Cause you've just talked about having an appetite for hard work and a hard work ethic yet you, you chose to piss off someone that was uh, hustle was their, the primary focus of their brand. Tell us about that story.
0: Well, I believe in hard work. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, that, that, you know, I, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone is ever, um, ever become successful just like waiting for things to come to them. However, um, I don't know. How, how, do you think people in your audience are pretty familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Because in some worlds, he's extremely famous. And in other worlds, he's, he's maybe not.
1: So I I I would openly admit to have been influenced by Gary. Absolutely buy into some of his principles. Um, I disagree with the one that you disagree, which is about um, hustle. I don't, the, the word makes me slightly shiver. And uh, I'd love to know why you decided to write the article that you wrote. So I had left that job that I just talked
0: about. And my idea was that I was going to be a, a as I thought about it at the time, a, a copywriter. Really, it was what they call a demand generation writer. You know, I uh, saw an opportunity in writing things like white papers, which was a big lead generation tool at the time, and which I knew how to do and um, you know, web copy case studies, whatever. And I just figured because I wrote well, and I always have uh, been, been, given a lot of praise for that throughout my life i figured you know people would like the writing and it couldn't be too hard to write business stuff right and and um people would pay me for it and and i would do well and um i didn't i mean there was like a year where i burned through all my savings i and i got some work but and i got some referrals but i you know not enough and and i wasn't known for anything i was mm. just kind of this guy who took gigs mm. and um i really tried to figure out how to market myself and i was working really hard but i i just you know, um, really struggled to, to do that. So this is a, another story. I decided I was going to be a little more mischievous in my marketing <laughs> and tell it how it was. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I did was, um, you know, I saw Gary Vaynerchuk, who was the preeminent guru and maybe still is, mm-hmm. but of, um, I guess what you would call internet marketing, digital marketing, social media marketing, whatever. And he, he just spent all this time screaming from the stage about how all his young followers needed to hustle. Like he would say, you gotta work so hard at promoting yourself that you should sit on the toilet and not stop tweeting while you're sitting on the toilet. And, and I was kind of like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 like what if you're the yeah. one making the wine instead of selling the wine? Cause his first business was a wine sales company. And I also thought, why aren't his followers as rich as him? It sounds like the more he gives this advice, the richer he gets and his fans love him more and more. So there's obviously a reason he's giving this advice and I'm not sure it's to make the lives of, of his, of his acolytes any better. So I called him out on this and, um, he got very, very agitated. I mean, he, I I was a nobody at the time and he responded to me directly and really Mm -hmm. took issue. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, God bless him. I think he's a great business person, but he wasn't very coherent in his argument, which means I hit a nerve, you know? Um, but it was the beginning of my career. I mean, picking that fight with him really brought me a lot of attention because a lot of people felt the same way I did. So I guess to answer, we could talk about that, but to answer your initial question, I guess, I've always been interested in why people do what they do. So if there's a prominent guru out there and he's spending easily 50% or more of his time berating his followers about not working hard enough, most of whom do, or else they wouldn't be into Gary Vaynerchuk. Why is he doing that? Is it really because he's concerned that people aren't working hard enough? I don't buy that because the people that, that you know... Um, read self-help stuff and read personal development stuff work hard but there's still there's so much more to it so then why is he doing it it turns out cult leaders do the same thing if if you look at the moonies um moonies work 70 hours a week for free um you know you know selling the cult Um, but also there was a guy named gergieff who was a cult leader who used to have movie stars who were fans of is dig holes on his property to nowhere. Hmm. It turns out that when you work really hard on behalf of a cause or a leader or a movement, A, it breaks down your capacity for critical thought because you don't have time and you get tired. Mm-hmm. And two, it, it eliminates cognitive, it, uh, cognitive dissonance. So if mm-hmm. you begin to doubt the ideas of the leader, mm-hmm. there's a big sunk cost because if you've worked like a dog on behalf of these ideas, you can either say, I just wasted three years of my life, or you can <laughs> say, these ideas are even better than I thought they were. Mm, mm. So unwittingly or wittingly Gary Vaynerchuk um, doing that helps build his following. There's a more benefit to him mm. than his followers. So I would say, follow what he does. Don't, mm. don't, um, don't follow his advice if you want to addict people to you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So you've taken that learning and reflection around how you've, um, one of the strategies you've had and you've reflected on a a number of other strategies and you've documented 12 of them within your book. And, um, you know, it it says here from the world's greatest propagandists, the self-promoters, cult leaders, mischief makers and boundary breakers. And the thing that really triggered me in the introduction was that it said that there are many good people out there that try and do good things make a difference and yet them and their ideas can sometimes get left behind and all too often these ideas and these strategies can be used for harm and not for good and, and i'd love to know how good people can make use of these um you you say uh, that they are um psychological realities where does one start where does the naive leader Where does the heart center leader start
0: Okay so we were talking before the podcast yeah. about this idea of heart-centered um people leaders of which you 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 consider yourself one and you think or you say that your listeners are. I would say I'm the same way to to a fault. In other words there are people who come to what I call hype naturally. And and just to tell you hype even though it has a negative connotation I take t- define it differently. It's 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 basically any activity that gets people emotional, highly emotional, Mm -hmm. and in a way that allows you to to, um, guide them to take whatever action you Mm -hmm. want them to take, Mm -hmm. right? So there are people who are very natural at that. I would say it's very clear to me that Gary Vaynerchuk is natural at that. I mean, he was selling baseball cards and making tons of money when he was a kid. He's a hustler, you know? Um, Donald Trump is very natural at that. Whatever else he's good at, he's very natural or bad at. He's very natural at that. I'm not, you know (laughs) what I mean? I mean, I was scribbling stories and writing songs when I was a kid, I was selling nothing. In fact, I was terrible at selling. I'm very, um, I'm a softy. And now I think of that as a good thing because I think our weaknesses and our strengths are the same, but I don't love confrontation. I've, you know, I've, um, not had difficult conversations when I should far too long. I tend to be the guy who keeps someone employed longer than I should to my own mm-hmm. detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the same friends since I was seven years old. Um, you know <laughs> so I, I'm not very natural at this. however, I've had people in my life who were and so what I became interested in is if these people are so good at selling themselves, mm-hmm. is it that these tactics and strategies are evil and nefarious because if they are then, you know what, I'm not going to play that game. I'll, I'll I'll be who I am. Or is it that they, for some reason, tend on balance to have a better understanding of of how human beings react to things? And if so, can they be used ethically? And what convinced me that they can be used ethically is there's a class of people, usually artists, who use what I call hype to add color to the world. You know, they don't do it to take advantage of people. I mean, you look at david bowie or andy warhol or the punk movement or even pp P. barnum to a certain extent mm-hmm. people gained pleasure from the psychological sort of you know color that they added to mm-hmm. things to, to the transcendence they created so I, I i i tend to take those people more as models than the, than the flat-out con artists
1: mm. Mm. it's um it's interesting isn't it because um your first strategy is make war, not love. And I sit here, my logo, my emblem is, my symbol is the blue love. (laughs) Talk to us about that. Why should, uh, why should we make war, not love?
0: Well, so I picked a fight with a person uh, and and, and that was pretty um, foolhardy of me. It happened to work in my favor. I'm not saying that you have to do that. Mm -hmm. You can pick a fight with an idea, right? So, Mm -hmm. so let me give you a little bit of background. So, There was a social scientist, uh, or not a social scientist, I'm sorry, an archaeologist, just a, a, you know, a a scientist of sorts, who found an alcove in uh, South Africa, on the coast of South Africa, that Mm -hmm. for various reasons, which we don't have that much time to discuss, we're almost certain now that that's where all all people are are descended from. The people Mm -hmm. who ended up at this alcove, you, me, the person who serves you lunch, we're all... Mm -hmm related to this group of people. It's a very small group of people because there was a climate change event um, and almost all of of Homo sapiens died out. And the people who Mm. survived moved from the savanna to this area and they found a dense bed of shellfish in this area. And the thing about shellfish is you don't have to hunt shellfish. It's sitting there for the taking. It's very high calorie, it's nutritious. So these people just had this like oasis of food in a wet area, you know, so, so it was great. Now, the only thing keeping them from getting this food was other people. Hmm. So all of these people were genetically the same, but they perceived themselves to be different because of whatever tribal affiliation they had. Mm-hmm. So those human beings who were able to cooperate very, very well with people they perceived to be like them and simultaneously have a lot of antagonism toward people that they perceive to be not like them, monopolized the shellfish and survived while the other people starved. And we're all descended from those people, even people with hearts on their on, literally mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. on their sleeves or on their shirts. So what I'm saying is that we are more attracted. To lines in the sand and bold Mm. statements and being against then We are attracted to being for that. Doesn't mean we don't love people who love their tribe Mm -hmm. survived also. So does that mean you have to go around picking fights with people? No, you can pick a fight with an idea. Your fight could be, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Climbing to the top, you know, um, dog eat dog. Climbing to the Mm -hmm. top is destroying business in the internet era. Mm-hmm. that can be the fight you pick and then a tribe forms around that idea mm. so love could be your fight but just being like hey this is why i'm great and this yeah. is why you should listen to me no one cares about that
1: i mean i, I try not to be controversial and, and then um i read i read your bit where you talked about the moment before you you hovered your your thumb over the or finger over the button yeah, to go publish it and i i have the same sometimes there are things going on in the coaching industry i'm like oh that's bullshit and then i i uncharacteristically write a post and and they often usually are the most popular because because what it does is it gives a voice to everyone who's sat there thinking the same it's just so uncomfortable to do that right
0: but it works i mean it just does Mm. because if if you're not it's you know it's not just the way we're wired it's also because a it gives a tribe like you said to the people who don't have Mm. they feel they're alone in the world and then they hear Mm. you saying what you say and they form around you but also I would posit that these fights need to be picked. If a bunch of people are out there giving harmful, not harmful, but misguided material in the name of making profit for themselves or whatever, why shouldn't you call that out? You don't have to be disrespectful. You don't have to insult their looks. You don't have to insult their children, but can you call out (laughs) their ideas? I don't know. Why not? Why is that a bad thing?
1: Mm. I am. I really liked the the visual imagery that you gave around aligning yourself to mini Oprahs. What do you mean by that?
0: So I use the example of Oprah because um, we all know that Oprah is this person who, if you, back when she had a, sh- a show and, and now she has a channel and all that, but back mm-hmm. when she had a show, if you got your book, for example, on her show, or if you were a psychologist or doctor who got on her show, you were suddenly catapulted mm-hmm beyond any of your competition so like Dr. Oz was a really successful doctor good doctor at Mm -hmm. the time now he isn't because he sells um cures that have been proven to be completely profit-driven and that don't work and that he knows doesn't work Mm -hmm. however you know um he became Oprah's favorite health expert he was Mm -hmm. good in his field but no one knew who he was and he's a celebrity because he wrote on Oprah. Now, the reason I brought that up is because we, the rest of us think that the way to build a following is to build it person by person. That's why everyone talks about viral marketing, right? It's this idea that you need to come up with this thing that people find on the internet content or whatever, or build this giant network person by person, or build an Instagram following person mm-hmm. by person. A lot of times the reason we think that is because we're buying into the myths that the really successful people bought, you know, put out there because it's a lot more romantic to think that you're building this big following grassroots. Now there's always part of that, but what's more effective is find the figures in your niche that are the Oprah's of your niche. Unfortunately, we're in the internet era where you don't have to align with Oprah. That's, that's, that's just as foolhardy, you know, I mean, you don't want to try people People are like I have a book I'm going to get on Oprah. Well, good <laughs> luck, you know. But let's say you're in the um, I don't know, organic beef jerky, you know, farming industry. I don't know. There's got to be someone in that industry who has all the followers in that industry, and that person is a lot easier to bond with and form a relationship with than Oprah. Oprah. And if you can do that, and if you can, and there are ways to nurture that relationship and get them to want to help you, you will catapult over everyone wow. else in the space.
1: I've, um, I've often described that concept as like Minesweeper. Do you remember that game that was on Yeah, the, yeah. It's, it's like that. So every yeah. now and again, you choose a square and it opens up a few around you. But every now and again, you get this one that just opens up a huge. Right, it's exactly
0: that. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's exactly that. Wasn't that a satisfying feeling? There's a whole generation that'll never know that feeling. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, So good. Um, I really like the story that you gave of, of Ryan holiday. I didn't realize so much about his background and how he was a trickster. And why do you put, um, a bit of a caveat, become a trickster, but only for a limited amount of time.
0: Yeah, And I think Ryan holiday is the perfect example of this. Um, so there's a character in every mythology called the trickster, almost every mythology. And it's a character who, a, a god, usually a lesser god, Loki uh, is the, the, the example we all know because of the Avengers movies. But um, it's a god who is amoral. They're neither immoral nor moral. And they play tricks. They, they upend the order of things. And in doing so, they usually are also the god of art. They usually create art. They usually are the most creative god. Because the thing is, when we're already in a position of power, which the trickster gods usually don't have power, it's easy to follow the rules. Mm. It's easy to, you know, I have a friend who's a really good Electrocardiogram doctor, really top notch. And I wouldn't say he started off with power, but he he went to a good school and he knew exactly what to do. He, he he had to be the best in his field at all stages. But he was valedictorian of his high school, top student in college, did the pre med classes, moved on to chief residency. Da 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 da. But if you're trying to do something new, and if you're coming from a from a disempowered background. You don't know what the steps are and it's difficult, right? So you sometimes need to play the role of that trickster God. You need to drum up attention in ways that you have to ask forgiveness for, not permission. You have to do things under the surface. You got to get people angry. You got to get people, make people laugh, all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that gets you attention. The reason I say that it's temporary for most people is that you don't want to be the perpetual clown like Dennis mm-hmm. Rodman was a really good basketball player. But other than basketball players, no one knew who he was. And then he dated Madonna and Madonna taught him that he needed to be, I mean, this is what people think, he, flamboyant. And when he was on the Bulls, he dyed his hair, he wore Pearl Jam t-shirts, which in mm-hmm. the NBA was a big deal for whatever reason in the 90s. You know, He mm-hmm. pierced his nose and dressed in a dress and he became a bona fide star, even for non-basketball fans. But it's now what 30 years later and he's still playing that role and he's a clown Mm -hmm. the only person who will give him an audience is kim jong-un which is a disgrace you know and he's just he's just uh playing this same tired role he forgot who he really is what ryan holiday did that was so good is he um has it's funny it's very ironic with him because if you think of him he's a young guy but you think of him as like an elder. He rarely cracks jokes. He's very serious. He holds people to this high stoic standard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, He started out though, as like the, the um, director of marketing for American apparel and their marketing was, they were a brand new clothing company in a very crowded environment. So he would do things like he would hire a porn star, Sasha gray for very cheap amount of money Mm -hmm. and, and have her, pose naked with like bars in front of whatever, you know, in socks for a clothing company mm. and get everyone to talk about it. He would spray paint his own billboards and then like anonymously tip it off to the press. Mm. He was smart enough to realize though, that once he built a name for himself and accumulated assets and accumulated capital, mm-hmm. he always knew he wanted to be a writer of serious books. So now he had the name and the market and the money and he could pivot. So he wrote a book debunking his own approaches mm. Mm. and wiping the slate clean mm. while benefiting from them at the same time. So you got to know when to pivot depending on when your goals are. I don't want to use the word pivot. That's a horrible word, but you mm. know what I mean. I get Shift it. I get to it. The new yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm conscious of your time and I've got one curious question. Why do you think the um, the movement of the early church was so successful? You talk about St. Paul in your, in your book. Why do you think that, that that particular movement was so successful?
0: I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons i mean full books have been written on why christianity succeeded when like mithraism which was another religion of the mm-hmm. time that was very popular failed um but from the perspective of of hype and of of promotion of, of of a certain faith and also i don't want to minimize if you are a christian maybe it's because it's the true faith you know i don't want to i don't want
1: to minimize that oh i'm good i'm, I'm learning I'm, you know, I'm open to your opinions
0: yeah, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a Christian, but I'm saying, wh- what do I know, right? But what I do know is there were a lot of human beings who were also, at least in part, very responsible for its spread. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't Jesus, and it was not the early apostles, because they very much thought of themselves as Jewish, who just happened to believe in, in some different things. So they mm-hmm. ate kosher, they circumcised their sons, as Jewish people are wont to do. Uh, which at the time was not very appealing to mainstream Romans. Um, they didn't shave, you know, they weren't permitted to shave, which Romans tended to do. Um, so it was small. I mean, people think of St. Paul as having come to Christianity when it was already this religion. There were like 200 Christians at the time that St. That Paul joined. And what St. Paul realized was that he had never met Jesus and he realized the world needed to understand this gospel and and embrace this gospel, but they definitely weren't going to embrace it as just an offshoot of Judaism. So he made it very Roman. So um, there uh, he was from Tarsus and in Tarsus, there's uh, another religion. I think it is Mithraism where you stand under a statue of a bull and they sacrifice a bull and blood comes down and you, you know, and, and by through the blood you are redeemed. Um, you know, there, 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 um, there, there are all these different ceremonies that he basically took wholesale and incorporated into Christianity to make it palatable for, um, for Romans, you know, he got rid of the kosher eating, he got rid of circumcision, I mean, he, he got rid of all of this. So the idea here is that people are very reluctant um, on a neurological level to embrace rapid change or change that that is too close to what I mean, change that is too broadly sort of um, afar from what they're used mm-hmm. to. And if you try to thrust new ideas on people like that, especially all at once, their cortisol will kick in and they'll reject it. But if you can wrap your ideas, especially your new ideas mm-hmm. in familiar clothing and introduce them slowly, you can get even the most radical ideas to be accepted.
1: Mm-hmm. You talked there around cortisol and one of your chapters is about managing your internal state, which is important to manage that. So what are some of the internal states that we need to uh, be mindful of and, and, and to create?
0: Well, I'm surprised this chapter didn't alleviate the triggering that I gave you in the early chapter, because <laughs> I know I got you uh, upset in the first chapter, but maybe <laughs> this chapter, uh, <laughs> you know, alleviated some of that because, you know, I did some research on, on why so many bad people are good at mass psychology, are good at building huge followings and driving lots of emotion around Mm -hmm. themselves. Because I think we can all agree that a lot of the people who create these massive followings, people frothing in the mouth to do whatever they say, there are good people who do it. But I think we can all agree that the most prominent examples are some of the most nefarious characters Mm -hmm. in in history. So is that because these strategies and tactics in themselves are evil? Because if they are, I want nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to cheat people and harm people, right? Right. It turns out though that people with what's a category of personality disorders called antisocial personality disorder you know um, extreme narcissism malignant mm-hmm. narcissism um, psychopathy sociopathy when they have done research like they they'll put these people into artificially induced stressful situations and compared to the population at large their pulse won't go up so mm-hmm. what that basically means is that they're very detached because of the the lack of empathy or whatever. They can kind of view things as a chessboard. Mm -hmm. They can kind of like look at people and say, okay, what do I need to do without emotion getting in the way to get the result I want? So Mm -hmm. that can have some really negative consequences, but it's also effective. So if you, I, I, I like to say that I wrote this book on hype. If I could myself follow every single law in here to the T I would be richer than Warren Buffett, but my emotions (laughs) get in the way, right? Mm. So the idea is how do you keep enough emotion to be an ethical person, Mm -hmm. but not let unrealistic emotions get in the way? Like, so you say, I'm triggered. I don't wanna pick a fight, even though I'm not hurting anyone because it's not who I am and your heartbeat starts going and so you just don't do it. Mm. Well, what if instead you worked on yourself, I don't mean you, but anybody, you worked on whether it's meditation or martial arts or eating the right way. And you calmed your internal state. So you can say, okay, my heartbeat isn't going fast. Let me look at this rationally. Is this mm-hmm. fight that I'm picking really going to hurt anyone? Or is it just that my heart was racing and I interpreted it negatively. Mm-hmm. And then you can make more informed decisions without unrealistic emotions getting in the way. It could be therapy, you know, whatever. But when you're reacting emotionally emotionally, and when you're in a reactive state instead of a proactive state, it, it's really tough to um, to become a good marketer of any kind, let alone a good hype artist, as I call it.
1: Mm. What does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, another version of um, – an internal version of what I call give the babies their milk before you give them their meat. This idea of, you know, if you want to convince someone of something and I talk about this in the book, you know, don't try to introduce it all at once, introduce it in stages. And before they know it, they'll be on your page. Mm. And I think you can do that with yourself. I mean, if, if, if you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm 30 years old and I'm not a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, so I suck, and there's no way I can get there. Well, that's a tough place to be in, but we behave that way all the time. We don't start diets because we're not already 30 pounds lighter. So if you can instead be thinking, how can I make the smallest executable step toward wherever I want to get every single day, and even if some days you take a step backwards, if you do that most days, before you know it, you'll be a completely different person.
1: Mm. on the topic of um young billionaires what is it that about jack dorsey that annoys you so much oh you saw that that tweet
0: (laughs) i don't know you know he obviously started a great company whatever i just i'm a real jerk aren't i i don't know why i say (laughs) these things publicly but i guess i need to you know he just strikes me as this guy who in his own mind and i'd like to see what you think about this but in his own mind and his public persona, he's like Mister Enlightened. He's got the the long beard now, which he didn't used to have. We both have beards, but it's like obviously this cultivated like mm. wise man thing. Mm. He meditates for six months straight. He's like, <laughs> but meanwhile, you know,
1: he's, he's trying testifying. To with Jim in,
0: Yeah, you know, but meanwhile he's testifying in front of Congress, mm. and and it's very clear that his motive is personal you know gain I mean he he is he, he a lot of stuff that was very harmful to democracy was done on his platform and this enlightened being did nothing about it until the tension got so high that that it was bad for his PR. So I just I guess I just there are so many people who are out there trying to look like the good guy and they're very holier than now and it's very surface level but when you really dig into the stuff, it's like the person who wants to save Africa, but they don't talk to their own children and their children grow up without a father. You know, Mm. I I just, I don't know. I have a pet peeve and he like typifies that guy. to me. I mean, what's your thought? I mean, am I wrong? Am I off base?
1: Well, the way you've just described it, absolutely love that. And um, I think there's a a huge awakening or there, there needs to be one, particularly in the influencer world where if there's a gap between what you say, what you genuinely think and what you believe, doesn't mirror what you say and what you do i i hope for a a culture where we call that out and 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 i I hope that those companies or brand reputations they they start to crumble because because they get too many people that imitate and mimic and look up to that stuff secondly there's a reason i don't use twitter (laughs) and if it reflects and and i shared that on
0: twitter so sorry so i'm 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 not exactly mr um you know
1: no no all good but um uh, yeah, I, I think I think Twitter is a space for lack of accountability and 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 um, what do I want to say? Bullying veiled in free speech. A hundred percent, I agree. I, and I should,
0: you know, it's funny. I, I I went off of Facebook for about four months, both because of the ethical piece and also just because it was making me less happy. Mm. And I was happier. Mm. I really loved being off there. And then I uh, my book came out and i'm pretty good at social media marketing so mm-hmm. i i went back on and it has helped my book sales but i hate it's um mm-hmm. i wish i weren't on it you know mm-hmm. i i it, my, i noticed that my contentment level mm. and my dist- has gone down and my distractibility has gone up so that's where yeah. i struggle i i yeah. i do use it very effectively to market myself mm-hmm. but at the same time yeah it's not a positive
1: mm. And, and it's those that uh that don't have that conscious awareness that don't understand you know that go back to it and and, and aren't that aware so i just want to say thank you for your time i'm unconscious a we've not scratched the surface of this book yeah. and b the uh the surface of the the organization that you are the ceo of so i'd just love for you to let us know how can people uh connect with you understand more about what you're doing in the world and and your and where they can get your book well, thanks. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to plug
0: myself. I appreciate it. Um, well, yeah, you know, to order the book, I mean, obviously, the, speaking of big, evil, multinational corporations, <laughs> yeah. the easiest way to order it is, is obviously Amazon. But, you know, if you can get your bookstore to carry it and order it there, some are carrying it, but things have been weird, you know, with COVID. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, um, the, it's available, certainly at the very least on all the online uh, platforms and in many of the offline ones. Um, The company is called Microfame Media and it's microfamemedia.com. My website is Michael F. Schein, spelled S-C-H-E-I-N.com. The the way that I love to keep in touch with people is a thing I do called the Hype Book Club. So I'm always um, reading these very weird books, many of them very entertaining, but I'm not, I've read all the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People type books. I've read them all. Many of them are good but where I've really gotten the most value is from these very strange crowd psychology books and biographies of some of these obscure characters and, and um, hype artists. And so when I come up, when I find good ones, I recommend them. Um, and it's become more than just recommendations. We, I trade emails with a lot of, um, fans. It's become a book club. So yeah, that's hypereads.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you sign up to that, that's a great way to keep in touch with me and keep in touch with sort of this discourse that we're
1: having. Well, thank you so much for your time. Just be honored if you could leave us with a final thought from your good self.
0: Yeah, I I just hope that um, you approach this conversation with an open mind, Um, anyone listening. um, I'm well aware that well-meaning people our self-perception of ourselves doesn't include being known as something like a hype artist and that's why i took back the term you know it's kind of like the word punk used to be a negative thing And, Mm -hmm. and some people have done some great great work under the name punk even the word queer you know the lgbtq community has um taken that word which used to mean weirdo in a very derogatory sense and made it a positive thing so If we could build an army of people who are actually savvy about building emotion and attention around really beneficial ideas, ideas that bring people together instead of dividing them on on a deep sense, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Not about picking Mm -hmm. fights with bad Mm -hmm. ideas, like what you're doing, you know, I mean, um, pro-love messages, pro-creativity messages, I think it would be a really good antidote to some of the kind of nasty characters who are so good at this who have who have steered us in the wrong direction over the last couple of years in particular so Mm. um yeah i hope you'll approach these ideas with an open mind
1: love that michael thank you so much for your time my friend thank you ryan this was an absolute blast there we go episode 129 with michael f shine i hope the thing that you took from that was similar to what i took away really which is that these things are being used and deployed on us all the time i know that there's so many people in the coaching industry that are using um things from influence by robert cialdini which is all about these um natural human psychological responses that are just done without us being conscious about them and and so often there are marketers out there taking advantage of us being flawed human beings hopefully there's something that you've heard in the last 35 to 40 minutes that maybe we can use some of those principles for good to bring about positive change or connection in the world that's the hope that I live with it's the world I try and create I know that you feel the same because you're on this journey with me Tag us both in, uh, at Ryan B. Hartley. If there's anything that you want to ask, anything you want to share with somebody else, I'd appreciate that. Do subscribe, do leave a review. That's, uh, That's going to help us reach people who need to hear the message that we put out, which is about the world will be better than it was yesterday, the more that we can create leaders who lead with love. I appreciate you being on this journey with me. Please do bring someone along for the ride. Have a great week and I'll speak to you again soon. Always love.